Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. It's Thursday. We're going to talk some USC statistics today. So we've got a special guest, uh, my buddy Michael Moline. You've heard him on the podcast before. Uh, he's watching the podcast, Michael Moline Real Estate. Uh, we can talk about all that kind of stuff, but we wanted to focus on how the statistics work at the Coliseum. What goes on when you when you get that stat sheet, you look at the box score, where all those stats come from. So we're going to talk to our friend Michael Moline about all that today. If you have any questions for us, you can send it into the podcast. Our email address is podcast at uscfootball.com. You can leave us a voicemail if you want to call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or just go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail right from your computer or your mobile device. And of course, if you want to subscribe on iTunes, we would love that, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. That is the URL. If you want to subscribe, you can also leave us uh, positive feedback. That would be wonderful. Or give us a rating. All of that on iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. So let's bring in Michael Moline. Uh, His website is Michael Moline Real Estate, and his number is 310-275-4688. He's in our little humble studio here in Redondo Beach. What's up, Michael? How are you doing? Doing great, Ryan. How are you? Yeah, good. This is, uh, you know, we haven't had a lot of people come in and do podcasts in the studio. So I just set this up maybe like, five, six months ago, but I do mostly have it over Skype. So it's nice to have someone I can look at and talk to right now. Yeah, it's kind of fun. One of these days it'll grow to maybe you'll do a uh, camera, do it, do it via video, get some GoPros or something in here. That w- That's kind of the goal. We have a little video set up that we can do like videos for the site for uscfootball.com, but we'd love to do some kind of uh, with a simulcast or whatever. We see a lot of the big successful podcasts do that. So we'll get there eventually. Yeah, you're on your way. You're- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for coming in and uh, – Maybe let's kind of give people a little background. You know, we've met really through the USC channels. You're a you know big USC guy. Uh, we, we talked about Michael Moline kind of real estate before. We may kind of give a little background of uh, um, what you do. Well, my background is I came to the USC statistics team via Ned Miller, and people have heard uh, statistics by Ned Miller and staff. Right. And Dennis Packer used to do that for the Rams and uh, the USC games. Uh, Ned was a statistician for USC for 53 years. Wow. That's and <laughs> uh, just amazing. What an amazing man. And he brought me in and taught me how to do defense. And it's we have our statistics team as a family. Ned passed, I believe, in 2010. And now our head statisticians um, that have filled his very hard seat to fill are Stan Granch and Michael Kramer. Um, Stan is just an incredible statistician as Mike is. Mike is uh, known for Matter Day stats. Uh, he's the head okay. statistician for Matter Day football, Matter Day high school. And Stan is an incredible statistician. So that's how I came to USC football. And uh, my background is uh, kind of kind of interesting in the sports sports business to begin with. I'd always been a USC, uh, uh, let's call it fan as a kid. Um, I used to take my uh, 
uh, buses and things downtown. And I hung out with the team when I was a kid before, while I was in junior high school and high school, met a lot of neat people. Anthony Davis used to sneak me into the practices. So I remember nice. that as a kid. He's a <laughs> really good guy. And uh, so cool, I, cool guy. I had followed it for many, many years and uh, actually went into the sports industry for a little bit. And then I had represented athletes in Major League Baseball for a while. I uh, stopped that in 2010. Um, the travel is just unbearable, yeah. but you get to see the business of sports and my way of giving back and being a part of, and really the most, the thing I look most forward to is doing statistics with this, with this group of incredible people. The, uh, it's funny when we, we'd have lunch every once in a while and you talk about some of the days of representing uh, athletes. And uh, it's funny. Was it, I think Terry Crews was probably the most interesting one. That, you know, yeah. that's, that was a really cool story. He's you know? a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful guy. Terry, Terry uh, was a client um, when he was with the Rams. And after he left the Rams, I started representing him. And he's just, God, I'm very proud of his career. I haven't spoken to him in forever, but just a great, great, great guy. And, you know, I was fortunate to represent all kinds of different people and it opened my eyes to how the system works and how people are recruited. And you, you, you know, you learn how the college system works and what it's really about and where it's underappreciated and where it's um, maybe uh, appreciated too much, you know, taken for granted a little bit by, by athletes. Um, so they, they, they think they're all going to make NFL or not all, that's probably too much of a word, right. but, but they don't, them. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and it's just, it's a hard world out there. And uh, if you don't make the NFL, there's not really much of a living to make playing football. So you have to go to the ancillary talents. Maybe you go into radio, maybe you go into, you know, the, the broadcast side, maybe yeah. you go into coaching. And again, there's only so many jobs. So I, I, what I hope is more and more student athletes pay attention to school and realize that if, if I make it, or even if I don't make it, what am I going to do after football is over with? Where do I, what's going to give me some fulfillment? And USC is just, in my opinion, just such an incredible institution. And I, anything I can do is, is awesome. So when it comes to being a honored to be a part of the stats team, it's just great. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember when I was in school and I would hear that, uh, I think it was, was it Dennis Packer that would always make the announcements like that, you know, Ned Miller and staff that was stats by Ned Miller and staff. So I knew that name just from that, but you didn't really know what goes into, I mean, I had no idea. I was in the press box for a while before I even met you that there was a whole row of you guys, a whole team of yeah. people <laughs> doing stats. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, for, first is, if you listen really carefully, they don't know if they announce it anymore, but if you ever hear any of the old goal, game films or audio of it, you'll hear Ned Miller, statistics by Ned Miller and staff. And if you listen, you'll hear about nine to 12 guys going, yay. Well, that was the staff. <laughs> <laughs> yay. <laughs> uh, we're staff. Um, and the, we have a staff at USC of anywhere from nine till to 12 people, depending on the game and depending on the availability. Um, and we generally uh, cover many, many, many different categories. Uh, whenever you're reading stats, you're seeing, you know, how many solo tackles, how many assisted tackles, total sacks, tackles for losses, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, breakups, blocks, you know, sometimes even quarterback hurries. That's just what I'm keeping track of for USC's home. Uh, you know, I'm the, I do USC's defense mainly and, mainly and oversee the defense. And then there'll be somebody right next to me. Um, it's another Mike, um, Mike Jarvis, and Mike will generally handle the visitors. And then we both sort of spot for each other. And then to my left, uh, you'll have uh, Jeremy, who's going to be an inputter. He's a USC person. He inputs all of this into the computer 
how his head doesn't explode during a game <laughs> is kind of amazing. To his left is Leland Waters, who's the press box announcer, who's announcing to the media um, what's going on instantaneously from an official standpoint, because we are giving the official stats. To his left, you'll have miscellaneous offense. Then you'll have head statistician, whether that be Mike Kramer or Stan, whoever is sitting in that chair, uh, pending on that game. Um, And then you'll have, you know, pass receiving and and, uh, next to him. Then to that, to the left, you'll have somebody keeping track of time of possession. It happens to be my very good friend, Izzy. And then you'll have Ray and somebody next to Ray who's doing player participation. And, you know, that's the core. The most important job, we think, is uh, the head statistician, you know, keeping track of where the ball is. But if you're really a parent or if you're really a student, player participation is important. Yeah. In you know? college, it's huge because I mean, it's not like the NFL where, like, for red shirting and all that kind of stuff, we look at the player participation stuff all the time in the media because, oh, who's going to, people ask all that, who's going to red shirt? Like, well, you have to see, did this guy play or not? If they never played, then obviously they can red shirt. So it's a, it's a big deal in college. I would yeah, it, it really is. And it's something of, of a legacy for a player because, you know, every one of these players, as a general rule, that are scholarship athletes at USC, they're incredible. They were the best of the best in their high schools. If you think about it, you know, SC gets five-star recruits, four-star recruits. You know, they get the top of the top. Well, not all of them play. Not all of them pan out. What if you had a walk-on? Um, ben Malcolmson comes to mind. I don't know him, but I just remember here was a yeah. guy who was with the paper, and he made it. And he made, you know, he made media basically of, you know, hey, he got in a game. But what about the kid who worked hard, he walked on, or he was a scholarship athlete and he just made it into one game, but he didn't get a stat? It's important that he that he's able to say, I played in this game. It's yeah. sort of every single play is documented. It, it, we're building a book. Every single play of whether USC has 80 plays or 82 plays, every single play is memorialized um, you know, for posterity. And if a player makes a tackle, it's important. So it's more nostalgia in college than it is in the NFL for the overall stats. Like, I mean, people, you want to look online, we get, there's a, I think it's USC stats info or something. We have a website and when we're in the press box, that's instantly updated with you guys do. Like you said, there's someone that announces in the press box. That was a 12 yard pass from Cody Kessler to Juju Smith Schuster, you know, and they might say tackle by whoever they usually don't say that, but you know, we, we kind of get this instantaneous. How does that all like, is that something, okay, you see the play, you write it down, or whoever it is, that's a 12-yard play, and you have to move it on down the line to the next person so they can input it, or how does that all work? Well, we, it, it goes in a cadence, and everybody's learned the cadence now. For instance, the, the inputter before um, wanted defense first. He wanted to hear the defense first because of how it comes up on the computer program that they're using in college, the NCAA program, which is a little outdated, but at least it's consistent through all the universities at all the different okay. levels. Um, so there's a pause. He's watching to see where the play is thrown by Cody Kessler, caught by Juju Smith, you know, and then there'll, there'll be yard lines. So we know to pause and it's really just a pause. And then I'm going to say tackle by um, number so-and-so. And we will usually give numbers. Sometimes I'll give a name afterwards to make sure he has the right player because with rosters it gets very confusing sometimes you in college you'll have duplicate numbers and sometimes you'll have duplicate names okay so you know we want to make sure and then if you, you an offensive player can make a tackle on defense if a quarterback throws an interception and he makes the tackle and there's two number sixes let's use an example 
um, we need to make sure that we have the right person entered in. Number six made the tackle. Okay. And the head statistician, they're keeping track of how many, you know, first first down efficiency, second down efficiency, third down efficiency, fourth down efficiency, where the ball is, who caught it, how many, you know, the quarterback is four for eight for how many yards at any given time. Um, I know I say this uh, sort of uh, with a little bit of boast, but I believe our stats team is really the best because we were trained by Ned. So at any time during a game, you can walk over to me and say, who is the leading tackler for USC right now? And I can tell you right at that moment. And, you know, when you really build what it looks like in the press box, you've got, let's say we've got our nine to 12 that are sitting there doing our jobs and we're there right behind us. You have spotters for the networks because they want these stats. Um, and they will look over and they will hear our announcement as to what the official stat is. It's going down to the truck. They're putting it into the broadcaster's ears so that they, they have that. Um, and they can announce statistically what it is after each quarter we reconcile and then, as you know, in the press box, they'll run around with, hey, here's a yeah. hard copy. Here's a, here's Sometimes it's maybe too much test. paper. Yes, um, we have piles of paper <laughs> every quarter. Yeah, and then at half, we do a full reconciliation. And then, of course, the, at the game end, and then we create what we call a book. And that book is uh, very rarely changed. Um, but, you know, it's happened once every three, four years, something will go on that something wasn't quite right. But generally, we have it down to a science, thanks to Ned's training and to Mike and Stan's tutelage. We're constantly teaching. Um, we've, Ned's belief was that every person that sits there should be able to do a different job. God forbid somebody was sick, somebody couldn't do it. Um, so you could sit into different chairs, but I will tell you very honestly and humbly, there's not a chance that I could sit and stand or Mike's shoes for a game. I would be terrified. Now, it could happen if either one of them were on the other side of me. That's how good of a teacher that they are and what we've learned from that and what we do. And then I do want to say, you know, the USC, um, USC SID department, they're just incredible people. They're just as supportive as can be okay. helping us out and doing things. And, you know, our, our job really is to be in the background, not to be seen or heard other than when you want to know who was who made X tackles or how many passes has Kessler thrown for completion or what's his percentage. And it's that that's kind of what we do. Yeah, no, it's definitely you've been in the background. That's what kind of what's interesting. It's interesting to me how this all works because we see the, the results of it, but we don't really know how the inner workings there and some of it, you know, and we especially tackles and I, I think they do it a little different in the NFL, but with the, you know, solo tackles and assisted tackles, is there judgment calls involved? Like sometimes you have three people jump on the guy at once. Can only two people get the tackle? Like, how does that work? Is that something a call that you make or someone else makes? Well, I answer that. The answer is, yeah, the, the judgment, there is judgment calls and defense is really the only place that there's judgment. But what's interesting, at least to me, is people say, oh, you do the stats for USC? Do you have to travel? That's not how it works. Home teams do the statistics. Okay. So when USC plays, as an example, even cross town at UCLA, the UCLA guys are doing the statistics. When USC travels to Washington, the Washington team uh, does the statistics. So there's no real bias. There cannot be a bias, but judgment can happen. And the NC2A kind of lays out what a tackle is. And it's fascinating because you, you it gets tough. Um, would you want to split tackles um, if you're unsure of who made the tackle? And people are probably listening and go, what's he talking about? If a ball's pitched to a running back and the running back is headed towards the sideline on a sweep, 
and he runs out of bounds. If he's not doing it intentionally to stop the clock, he did it because there were two defenders or maybe just one defender that that defender's going to get the tackle. Okay. So it gets a little interesting that way. So it's and like the, a solo tackle. You never touch the guy because he just ran out. Correct. Of or okay. my, you know, what do you do when there's a quarterback who's scrambling, coverage breaks down, and he runs up the middle, and then he slides. He didn't slide because he just felt like it. It can happen if he was trying to stop the clock and it was intentional, then you wouldn't award a tackle. Okay. But generally he went down and didn't run further because there was somebody that was going to hit him. So he goes down. So that player would be credited with the tackle. And where the judgment gets involved is, do you split that? Well, you might if you were unsure which guy made him run out of bounds. Okay. You know, th- th- there is a little bit of judgment. And you want to be consistent both with the visiting team and the home team. The... um. Can you so an assisted tackle is that that's a split tackle that would be two people is Correct. that okay could it be three I mean sometimes like four guys jump on a no. ball carrier at once it I, can only be two you 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 only scored as two I guess by the book you possibly could go to three but generally you go by two and in most defensive statisticians mind for college um, or at least I, let me speak for just me and not for others okay. <laughs> is that if I deem somebody's going to go down but there's another defender that stops forward progress, I would probably lean towards splitting the tackle. Okay. Whereas, uh, as an example, in the NFL, their emphasis might be different on what is a split tackle. They have a different set of circumstances. So in the NC2A, when a player's awarded a half tackle, it counts as one. So it's not like the old days where he had three solo tackles, which would be one and a half and one, I'm sorry, three assisted tackles and one solo tackles. So that would be one. And then that would make him a two and a half. Now that would be, he had four tackles. Okay. So like so, now, if you have seven solos and four assists, you have 11 tackles for the, for the game. Correct. Eleven total tackles. Correct. Okay. Correct. They, they don't overlap. You're, you're accounted on a play. Each play is on its own. Okay. So, I mean, is there, is there ever any kind of argument like, oh, that should have been him or that should have not been split? Is that, I mean, I don't know. Well, if, if argument, no, because as an example, I make the final call for USC um, and based upon eyeballs, who Mike Jarvis, if he's sitting next to me for doing the visitors, uh, you know, we deem it that he will have the final call, but uh, no one's perfect. You're looking at it and we have a, you know, a, the great benefit of now and at USC with DVR technology, we can actually go back. Um, a fun story that Mike Kramer likes to, to tell is when I first started doing defense um, and he was doing defense with me, we could not tell. I was so crazy at the time. Replay, you couldn't get replay. There was no DVR. <laughs> at halftime, I went down to the truck asked them to replay the play to make sure that I had it right, you know, and, and now with the DBR technology, you can do it. We still, as a team, as a group, will really look at it. Who tipped it? You know, who yeah. was the guy that, that got his hand and blocked that, you know, point after uh, attempt, you know, who was that? And, and, you know, sometimes you miss it because you cannot zoom in even with your binoculars to really get it. So you'll look at it, you'll look at it and you'll come up with it. And, uh, and you, you want to get it right. Right. So judgment's important um, to make sure that you, when you have judgment as a, uh, a responsibility, you want to make sure you're consistent and you want to make sure you're right, both for the visiting team and the home team. It would be very awkward if, for instance, all of the, you know, you lean to splitting tackles for one side versus the and other. The you other. just can't do it. You just yeah. can't, you, you don't do it. 
and we, Mike Kramer and Stan always make a, a, a statement, you know, there's really no judgment. You cannot have a biased stats team. You can't have a homer type of a stats team right. because you can't move the ball. You know, there's always discussion on this. Is it a pass or is it a, uh, a rush? You know, when you have a, is it, was it backwards? Was it forward? But the referees make that easy in the NC2A because they'll help you. As all you have to do is watch the NC2A's referee, and that, that gives you that indication. Okay. And again, one of these days, it would be awesome, Ryan, if you wanted to have like Mike Kramer and Stan on, they could certainly go into much more in depth. For me, it's defense. It's just that's sort of my passion. And, uh, you know, it goes back to the training. The fun thing is that on defense, you train yourself to think about what's going to happen next. So there's, you're thinking there's going to be a fumble. Okay. Who forced the fumble? Who recovered the fumble? He's picked it up and running. Who's going to make the tackle? And maybe he's going to fumble it again. That's sort of how you train yourself to think. And there's some So you're not surprised when something like, oh, he fumbled. I wasn't expecting that. You always are expecting something like you that. You have to. And then you panic. There's all, I have to be <laughs> honest here and just tell you there's a little bit of panic and anxiety that goes on when there's these crazy plays, you know, uh, exactly like that. And we, we will use, you know, replay to make sure here's what we have. And I have a nasty habit and nobody's ever yelled at me, but, you know, I have certain sheets of paper in front of me. But when I have those weird plays, I take my pencil because you don't ever bring a pen into the press box. At least we don't. <laughs> um, and I'm marking all over the little desk area that we have, you know, on that. And I will circle it so that I'll be able to come back and say, here's who was for, here's who made the tackle for USC. It was number six. Well, that was the quarterback because he threw the interception. And then the tackle was made by another offensive player to force a fumble. You have to have those. So I'm writing all over the place and it looks like a total mess <laughs> when you have those weird, crazy plays yeah. and, and they're fun. The, um, with the, the new kind of trends, I guess, in college football where you have a high-tempo offense, it's hard for the defense to get set. Does it impact I, – I just thought about that. Does it impact the stats team because you have to make a decision quickly because they're coming right up to the line? So the first time Chip Kelly's Oregon offense played at the Coliseum, I think every single one of us, we had a fantastic time. It was awesome because we had to keep up, but we were exhausted. You know, and I actually met their, uh, their AD and I just said, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because it was like a machine, you know, it was just go, go, go. And we didn't have time to really look at replay. Um, and you'd just be backing it up. Here's what we do. We're going to question that you'd circle it, put a question mark next to that play number, make sure that when there was a TV timeout that on the DVR, you could go back to that play. But you know, that game, thank goodness, really went clean. Well, yes, you know. I, I would figure it just, I mean, even when I'm like, if I'm in the press box and I'm like tweeting between plays, when it's a high tempo thing, yeah. I don't even have time because you're like starting to type something and the next play is already going on. So I would assume for you guys, it's a, it's a big challenge too. Well, for this, we're trained again, that if the computers went down and there was, and there was no electricity, we still have the game. Okay. We could re we have the game. It's not a problem. Our stats are what they are, but compassion every every single fan of usc football who relies on the stats or even cares about the stats the guy who's entering into the computer that poor guy he, he's <laughs> i don't even know what to say you yeah. know he's just bonkers um and and they're brilliant guys that do it jeremy is just awesome and it, it, it's incredible how fast that they do it because what he's doing is he's building that book as i mentioned 
play by play so that you guys get it in the press box fast. But as he's entering it in, the computer is also putting it out online so people can sort of watch that, you know, uh, yeah. game tracker. Exactly. Um, so they're, they're as close to live as can be to, to do that. And the Coliseum, as technology savvy as the world is, it's still, you know, I don't want to disparage it by calling it a relic, but we still, just to make sure, we handwrite after a drive, as an example, what the time of possession was, who scored, you know, how, when it happened, how it happened. And then those will go into little sheets that actually get run down to the media downstairs. They'll go to the stadium announcer. They'll go to the net network so that they will see the official drive time, you know, who was the official score, when it happened, et cetera. So there's things like that that go on. And it's, it's a blast, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and then uh, the Coliseum, like you mentioned, you know, a little bit of an older building, but uh, they're doing some upgrades and everything. But for now, the Rams are going to be there too, and it sounds like you guys are going to, to help them out with stats. Yeah, and we're in a unique situation, and even the Rams acknowledge that. I'll talk, we'll talk about the Rams in just a second, but I have been fortunate enough through my travels. Um, the University of Texas uh, hosted me when I was down there. I was uh, attending a wedding, and they brought me into the press box, and I got to see how they do it. Um, and then same at ASU. Um, you know, fortunately, my son is a, uh, a graduate of USC. He's a Viterbi engineering person. And my daughter is a student at, AS, at ASU's Carey School of Business. Okay. Um, and whenever USC travels to ASU, it happens to be parent weekend. So they are great guys over there. And I get to see them. And they have something that USC doesn't have right now, which is an incredible blessing. They have their own box. The oh. as UCLA does, you know, when you when you look at it, we don't because we play in a in a wonderful classic stadium, so we're open air basically. Um, it's good and it's bad. The good is um, for for media, they can come up at any time and just walk in and and ask us what they need, and we're very accessible. The bad is all of the excess noise can get in the way, but we're used to it. You yeah, know, it's just what we're used to. We kind of like it the way that we have it, and. You know, we we ended up uh, discussing this all with the Rams. The Rams have decided to have the USC team be the Rams stats, stats team, which I'd love to tell you, oh, that's all great. But Ned did the stats until the Rams left in 1994. So it's sort of a coming home party for gotcha. everybody. You know, there's there's more of a nostalgia there. There's a comfort level there. And we're just looking forward to it. Um, you know, it's it's different, you know, when – they tried just in, in the 90s, computers were just starting to become really prevalent. They tried to bring one in, and the Rams had brought one in, and they walked over to Ned, and Ned said no problem, and he was helping them and teaching them and everything else. The computer person for the Rams pulled up his computer, walked away, and said, Ned is a computer. They don't need me. <laughs> well, today, because the NFL is so stat-centric, with, you know, of course, let's fantasy, keep our eye on yeah. it. With fantasy, let's call it what wow. it is. You know, fantasy we don't really want to. People don't really want to talk about how, what, what, what that is, but fantasy is just so huge. Um, and these stats are so important that computers are the norm and that the emphasis is the stats are probably the most important thing to come out of the press box to the NFL. That's just my opinion. Yeah. That's just sort of, you know, everybody's got, you know, stats are very important to USC, but candidly at USC, the media, there's so much going on that everything sort of blends and balances mm. in the NFL. My assumption and, and what in my discussions and our discussions with the Rams stats are really important. They need to be right. They're audited every single play. Um, and then they're audited not only by our stats team, 
but by a Rams person who's sort of going to be able to overview, oh, you guys, you know, we got to add this or you missed that or you didn't have this or, yep, you know, obviously more often than right, it's going to be that way. And then there's a second layer, as I understand it. There's somebody in New York who's watching every play and then every book is audited the next day to make sure that it's right. Obviously in the NFL, because contracts are predicated upon stats, how who sure. reads what, who does what, but it'll be a lot of fun. And I can tell you, you know, these the, the Rams people that we've dealt with, God, are they awesome. Nice. You know, they're just awesome people. And with, I mean, when you're talking fantasy football, there's a guy in, you know, Iowa somewhere who's pulled up his, you know, fantasy stat sheet and isn't watching the games, but he's watching, oh, my receiver just made a catch for eight yards or whatever. And I get this many points and it's, there's so much riding on these stats and they're, you know, it, it's almost instantaneous as they go out and you're watching all these games, but how, you know, with fantasy football, it just makes NFL stats like uber, uber important. Yeah. And it breaks down to something happened to me, you know, when you watch as a fan, that's great because you're watching the overview. But if you really break down, for instance, the families of players, they're watching the game, of course, but they're really watching what their son does, yeah, yeah. you know? And if you're an agent, as an example, you're watching what your player does. Well, if you have a fullback and a linebacker, um, you're watching the fullback and the linebacker. You're not watching the ball. You're seeing, did he get the block on the linebacker? The, you're watch, if you're watching the linebacker, did he get this? And it's kind of like watching within the game and that's sort of where it started i my son who's just awesome they watch fantasy obviously so yeah. they watch the red zone if yes. there was ever an nc2a red zone i don't know that we would they would have any time to do anything other than work pay their bills and watch the, the red zone and watch the <laughs> nc2a zone because that's what they're watching they want to see what their team is doing it's right. just amazing it's a whole culture that's out there and it's stat centric, you know, yeah. it, it really is. It's, it's a blast. Well, this is cool, Mike. I appreciate you, uh, sharing all the insights on what's going on with the uh, USC stats, which people don't know, you know, and, and, and where it all comes from, but it's not just what, you know, we use it all in the press box, but if you're pulling up ESPN's box score, like that comes from somewhere and it comes from a team. And it's interesting that every home stadium has their own kind of team and I, do you, is there a lot of difference, do you think, between, you know, if you're, if you're playing at Oregon and playing at USC, do you think the stats really come out that different? They come out, I think they come out the same. The difference is, as I mentioned earlier, like I love watching the ASU guys do stats. They do a fantastic job. They, the result, the journey that they take is just different than ours. Okay. Um, in our system, if you walk, like I said, if Ryan Abraham walks up to me um, or, or uh, any member of the press walk up, they can say how many tackles does so and so have. I mean, it'll come the other way. The networks will call up and say to the stat, to their ears behind us, sort of their spotter behind us, and say how many official tackles did so and so have. And gotcha. we'll say it was X. They'll know that on the spot. With at ASU, they're building a book from the ground up, so they would have to take a moment. They could do it, but it might take them, let's say, realistically. 15 or 20 seconds, it may take me five because okay. I can say, well, here it is, you know, player number 56 had X tackles. You know, I happen to have brought in here, you know, some, some notes. We also oh, do, yeah. do a game judge, right? So this was, right. yeah, the UCLA game. So I can tell you at any point in the first half of that game, you know, Adoree Jackson had four tackles and he had two in the second half, because if you see, Ryan, I've got like this red line, it's just the system. So that's that the half time. You're that marking. was, I, I, I mark it off and I, I, I do it at half officially to make sure. And he had two pass breakups okay. in the first half. 
I can tell that because I, you can see here um, with, well, actually it might've been the second half. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that. Um, I can say for sure. First, first half um, number four, 47, Scott Felix had a sack. It was in the first half. It was for 14 yards. Okay. You know, so it's just, I can tell you based upon this, lengthy sheet if you're a different stats team you're going to end up with it the same at the quarter the same at the half the same at the end of the third quarter the same at the end of the game the only difference would be we're sort of overworking to make sure that we have the ability to service anybody's needs during the game yeah looking at the sheets here I, you, know, you can't see it because it's a podcast but it kind of reminds me like when i was a kid if you ever like would score a baseball game and how you'd put the k backward you know there was all these different like kind of little rules and notes that you would put down and I kind of got a feeling of that just watching your your stats hit teams there. Yeah, our sheets are, you know, that you're extrapolating out sort of one by one. And then we do something different because of the noise at the press box. Mike Kramer and I did this. All oh, let's give more of the credit to him. We devised the defensive game chart because let's say the computer, when they print us the report at the quarter and we disagree with it, we would we used to have to go back to wait a minute i've got you know uh no, no let's 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 actually give you a, a, a an exact a dory jackson number 2 i've got him with at the half four tackles but the computer only had him with three okay i got to find where that tackle was where did he not get it entered um to make sure so we we were it took too long to do that we were you know frantic doing that until mike kramer devised this and then over time i've helped refine it to we do a defensive drive chart so I can go back and tell Jeremy in this instance it was right here in the play-by-play. You know, okay. it was play, num- play number 16 as an example. Uh, I don't, you know, you know that that was the exact one. But here's an tackle by Adoree Jackson. It was play number 21. And I can tell you it was right after a possession that was okay. either punted or something out of bounds. So I can tell you that. Yeah, and, that's uh all the little squiggle lines and everything. <laughs> and here's a little fun fact that I still, somebody's going to need to explain to me. When you hear USC ran, you know, in, in this game, um, USC ran 66. Uh, USC defense was on the play, play for UCLA had 66 offensive plays. Okay. I can tell you a field goal doesn't count as a play, but a touchdown does. Don't ask me why. That's just the rules. <laughs> I don't get it. You know, if it was a made field goal or a missed field goal, they were still out there. It was still fourth down. But that's just kind of the rules. You that's know, not that's a just play. Kind of it, is. it does not count as a play. But a fake field goal would. A fake field goal would. Okay. Because that turns into a rush or into a pass or something like that. Right. And then, again, where does that extrapolate out? They're going to want to know fourth down efficiency. You know, where is that going to be? You know, and it's just it's it's an amazing thing. One of these days. With all the technology, I'll, I'll ask Tim Teslone if it's okay. I'm going to see if somebody will Facebook live a little teeny bit of what goes on. That would be a cool thing. I that, yeah, if they would let us do if that. If they would let us fun. do that, that might be fun for you. You know, hey, post that up. I don't know if, you know, if there's rules for or against that, but that would be, at least for me, it's interesting. And I have a friend, my, my actually a friend of my wife's, David Silverman. Uh, you know, he's constantly following the podcast. So he knows, hey, did you know Ryan was talking about you? Or, <laughs> hey, I know you had lunch with Ryan or things like that. <laughs> He's somebody, as an example, that really, really follows USC football, and he will watch um, the stats. And, you know, he's so into it that he really knows what's going on. And it's it's fascinating because he is a fan of not just what goes on on the field and a supporter and really cheering for USC, but a, a fan like that also just he's amazed at what it takes for a production. I mean, nobody has – nobody. It would be – most people don't think about – how many people are involved? How many people would you say are in the press box? A couple hundred? 
Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot. I mean, there's people, and because there's all the outsides too. There's some like boosters that are kind of on the outside, but it's mostly for the internal then, one. But yeah. there's a lot of media, like local media. There's foreign, you know, not foreign media, but the visiting media. And then the guys on the roof. I mean, you know, yeah, there's guys. It's up interesting. There. My son had a friend who wanted his. He was. Uh, his future is to be the next John Ireland or Steve Mason. Okay. And, and he wanted, and it was Brandon Marcus and he met me, you know, and we, you know, he's had a press pass, but he is, he's on the roof doing his broadcast, his student broadcast okay. of the football game. So when you start thinking about all of these people are involved and then there's a game day staff that works inside and they're all just such nice people. And then you've got the security staff and then you've got, you know, the ushers and then you get, you just look at, what the skeleton crew is before a fan walks in, the concessionaire people, it's amazing what goes into a sporting event. Yeah. It's just, it's, to me at least, it's amazing. It's pretty amazing. And this is great. Hopefully people enjoyed just kind of talking, getting some, you know, information on USC stats and how that all kind of stuff works. And, you know, you know, we've, you've heard Michael's name before. So, but again, I'm going to reiterate. So Michael Moline Real Estate. So you do local real estate here yeah, in Southern I do, California. Yeah, I do. You know, I do real real property and personal property. You know, okay. I, I don't want this to sound anyway like a commercial, but just to sort of as a bio. Uh, you know, I buy and sell items that people sort of specialize don't don't really use anymore. That maybe they keep in their safety deposit box or things like that. And that I owned a uh, rare coin company in Beverly Hills and still do that. And that evolved into real estate because I ended up doing a lot of estates. Somebody you know, unfortunately it passed away and they sort of blended together and then oh. it makes sense to sort of steer the entire estate package. And, uh, you know, I'm with the brokerage that I work with is Rodeo Realty and I just happen to have my offices in Beverly Hills on Rodeo. So it's kind of fun, nice. but, but, you know, uh, I, I just love helping people. So if anybody wants to get a hold of me or just wants to talk football, you know, Hey, feel free. I mean, if I, if I'm busy, obviously I, I won't be able to chat, but you know, anybody that's a fan, they're welcome to call me if they have any needs for real estate. Even if it's just, Hey, what do you think this is worth? Oh, I'm happy to help. Or, or can you help me with this? Or what do you think I should do? As you and I have talked, what's the best sure. way to help people grow businesses? You know, that's, that's sort of what I love to do. That's sort of my, uh, my spot in life. Yeah. So Michael Moline, real estate.com, or you can call him at 310-275-4688. You get a better feel now. You can hear what Michael's all about. So yeah, you can call him and ask about real estate or rare coins or something, but of course, talk some USC football, ask about stats. So we always have some really interesting conversations. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, well, thanks Michael so much for coming on and being our real first in-studio guest here on the Parasol. Well, it's podcast. awesome. Hopefully we'll get others on and it'll be fun and happy to come back at any time if you need me. And, uh, Hopefully, let's go to lunch, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. All right. So that's uh, Michael Moline. Thank you so much for uh, for listening, everybody. It's a little different podcast uh, today, but hope you guys enjoyed the show and learned a little bit about how well, everything that goes on in the Coliseum for USC stats on home games. So thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate 
estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.